Grand Rising, everyone. Today's show is going to be a little different than um, my other shows. I am going to speak on a topic that is very controversial, but it's very close and dear to me because I just found out what it was. Um, It's no secret that I have been posting things for the last three years on my social media platforms about being stalked by people I don't know and some of people I do know. I didn't know what gang stalking, targeted individuals, or community stalking was. All I know is that when I lived in Chester, Pennsylvania, It went from being very peaceful on my block and nobody bothering me, nobody even knowing who I was, to me engaging certain neighbors. And then when they gave a different energy, I just, I don't talk to you anymore. I stopped dealing with you. Once I stopped dealing with the head honchos, which were the block captains, is when my gang stalking started. Um, Me and the block block captains were close at one time because I was dating their nephew and it was tumultuous, you know, and he warned me, their nephew, to not engage with them at all. Um, He told me that they were drug addicts and things like that. But me having the heart that I have, his uncle reminded me of my dad, who is a recovering addict. So me not listening to him because he knows about his family and things like that, I engaged. It was the worst thing I could have done, okay? Because when the gang stalking and community stalking started, it was as if they didn't know me anymore or that I had never been there for them. Um, Where my house was, it was next door to his uncle and his aunt's house. They had cameras, one on the back door, one under their front bay window, and one over top of their front door facing the block. All of these cameras see up and down the block. Like you literally, I would go in their basement and look at the cameras. And when things were good and they were protective of me, they would take me into the basement and show me different footage of things they saw on the camera. Okay, and several times I've come out, you know, when I was out there, still living out there, they were like, no, we saw that on camera. We got you back. You know, that turned into a very tumultuous relationship. Even after I um, broke up with their nephew, we went through a domestic violence. And um, it was the suggestion of the aunt and the uncle who were the block captain to pursue charges. And I did. Um, It's no secret. I posted about that, too. I'm not in the business of having black men locked up. I requested from the DA that he get mandatory counseling, and they dropped the federal charges of strangulation and domestic violence against him and put him on three years probation. After this incident, my son went missing for two years, um, or so I thought. And then I found out that family members were behind it. Um, So I had been going through a lot. Um, Then one day, summer day, 
2019. I was outside. The entire block was outside barbecuing, singing, doing whatever they do in their front yard. And me and my sister just started singing. We're outside, so I'm not worried about noise level or anything like that because everybody was outside. You know, it wasn't like I was disturbing the peace or anything. But the moment I started singing, um, a neighbor to the left of me on the other side of the block, Captain's house, was saying, you better sing. And then all of a sudden, from the right side up the block across the street, um, I hear, bitch, shut up, bitch, shut up, shut up, bitch. And I turn my music down and start looking around trying to see, you know, where they got me messed up at or calling me out my name. Now, these are people I've never spoke to, never had a problem with or anything like that. I immediately reacted. And I said, my name is not bitch. And if the music was too loud, you could have walked your grown ass over here and asked me to turn it down. But calling me out my name is not going to get you what you want. She started berating me in front of the buck. Um, People were watching. Nobody said anything. And then it turned into threats. And she said, I'll come over there and do something to you right now. And I said, you walk your dumb ass over here now. You're going to get shot in your face. I went in the house, grabbed my gun, and came back and sat outside. She said, no, I'm not going to do nothing to you because you're going to call the cops. I said, bitch, I ain't going to call the cops. I police the police. I am the police. Just like that. After that exchange, a couple days later, my spirit was in an uproar. Because during that verbal altercation, um, she had a daughter outside and a niece, and they both had babies. And there were kids out the whole time. And I did not like the way I conducted myself. So instead of apologizing to the aunt that had an altercation with me, I walked across the street and I, I walked up to her daughter and her niece, and I said, my behavior was unacceptable. I could have handled it a different way, even if I felt disrespected. I did not mean for your children to see that type of behavior because I'm a mom. They both hugged me. The next day, her sister who lived down the block and directly across from my street, she was taunting me while I was sitting outside. She was like, oh yeah, you sorry, you sorry, you so sorry. I never use that word when I apologize to people. I apologize. I didn't say sorry. So at first, I didn't think anything of it. Fast forward, time goes by. Now it's a back and forth. The block captains would do something to me, then apologize to me later. I got tired of accepting apologies that I knew that weren't true. So I just stopped dealing with everybody. I just stopped speaking to people. But I never took it out on the neighborhood children. They would all come and play in my house or play behind my house because they knew I was watching and they knew, you know, Miss Yvonne is a fun person, a.k.a. Goddess Lugba. When I got on Jazzo's World International on Dirty Basement Radio was when I first realized that the community had started really honing in on me. During a live taping of the show, I heard my voice echo outside over a radio. And I paused my mic as Jazzo was talking and I walked to the window. And out of my bedroom window, I see half of my neighbors gathered around a car. 
listening to the show. And what they were saying is, oh, she ghetto in real life. She ghetto on the radio. And this was a problem for me because the person that they were listening to was not me. There was another host on the show. Her name was Kiana. God bless the dead. She has since passed away. But it was her talking and they didn't know the difference between my voice and their voice. Um, So they were outside talking loud enough for me to hear them both over the mic and outside. Didn't pay that any mind. So fast forward to 2020. Now there have been back and forth exchanges with different neighbors. Um, Different neighbors started saying things to my young children. At the time, they were all, you know, young. And my son went to ride his bike one day and he got called out of his name, called a P-U-S-S-Y and told to go down the block and mind his business. And he was just riding his block. I mean, his, his bike up the block. And one of them, the guys that were standing on the corner got loud and it startled him. So he turned around and looked at him and he was like, take your newsie P-U-S-S-Y behind down the street. He ran down the street I heard him scream mom I ran down the stairs and he was like he cussed at me and when I came outside right before I stepped outside I heard a woman say oh you didn't done it now you know whose son that is and the guy said I don't care I watched him walk into my neighbor's house but I'm not in the business of knocking on doors unless I'm really going to engage you so after things like that my children would be outside and would hear different neighbors talking about who would visit me. Then they were saying, oh, she don't have any friends and things like that. You know, little things. And my children got tired of overhearing conversations. So my youngest, Nunu, he comes in the house one day. They had sick their children on my son and was bullying him and punched him in the face and he fought one of them. And he came in running one day because one of the neighborhood little girls named Chloe grabbed him and slapped him. And he ran in the house. And and when he ran past me into the kitchen, I already knew what it was, you know. And I had to pin him to the wall and say, you can't hit no girl. He said, I'm not going to hit her. I'm going to cut her. And I said, you can't do nothing to no little girls. You can't do nothing. I had to calm my baby down. He was like, but there was no reason for her to smack me in my face. And it was after that that I realized that they were also using their children to harass my children. Um, Fast forward, coming into 2020, all of a sudden, excuse me, I was sitting by a window, but my maintenance crew has just pulled up and they're very loud in the morning. But afterwards, um, coming into 2020, You know, different situations have popped off. I had called the police multiple times. A new family moved in next door to me. And on the day that they moved in, uh, the sister of the woman who had called me out of my name said to the neighbors, because they were setting up for prom, she said, oh, she going to hate you because he had giant speakers. Now, why she said that to him, I don't know, because I was like the only one that played music on the block. So I welcomed anybody else. I let everybody know when I first moved in, hey, listen, I'm a musician, I'm an artist, you know, things like that. If it gets too loud, 
please come knock on the door and say, can you please come turn it down? And I'll turn it down. You know, I give everybody, even now, currently, when I moved into my apartment building, I let the close neighbors know, hey, listen, I'm a musician. If it gets too loud, you know, let me know. And he was like, no, we play music too. You know, so it's it's a rapport thing that I keep up with people because I'm an artist. You know, sometimes my poetry comes out in words on paper or on a screen, or sometimes I'll put them in the form of a song. So it wasn't like I hadn't been sitting outside playing music um, in Chester. It wasn't like I hadn't sat outside and sang. The black captain, when everything was good, used to come outside when I played African drums and things like that. I did that for four years routinely played African drums, went live on Facebook with African drums and prayed into the new year. This was behavior that I did for four years straight. But when everything went bad, then it was all of a sudden, you know, tumultuous energy. After a while, me and my sister kept having a feeling that somebody was coming in the house. We kept finding the front door unlocked when we were all sleeping. I walk my house. I've been that way since I got out of the Army. Um, When I got out of the Army, I had severe PTSD from the training, and I didn't trust people, you know, and I had this thing where I had to know that my space was secure. And even to this day, when I go sit in the restaurant, if my spouse is not with me, I do not sit with my back to the door. I have to be facing it. So I recognize that I have PTSD. Have I been in institutions before for mental illness? Yes, but they've always misdiagnosed me. And here it is, fast forward into 2020, after everything that I just explained had been happening. um, My son got sick January the 7th. I let him sleep. And then when I woke up on January the 8th, he had 101.1 fever. Anybody that's a parent knows, or anybody that's in the medical field knows, that after 99.9 degrees in a child, the body starts to boil. So I get up, and I walk him to the hospital. But let me backtrack. When I went to sleep, I went to sleep hearing people talking through the walls, threatening me, things like that. And it's you can't prove it because the walls were so thin, we could actually have conversations. I have had people in my house when I said, you know, having counsel with them, oh, have you not read? The neighbors would respond, yes, as if I were talking to them, and I wasn't. Um, Even in the sense watching a movie, um, I had a guest staying in my basement one night, and he was watching a horror movie, and he was like, oh, you're going to die. And you heard the neighbor say, you heard what he said? He's threatening us. And he wasn't even talking to them. He was watching a movie in the basement. So fast forward, I take my son to the ER, right? Now, on the night of the 7th, there was a lot of banging on my back door. My back door kept being open. I didn't know how the heck they were opening my back door and everything. My landlord was supposed to put a lock on the garage. When I got back home, there was no lock, there was no key. He told me that he put the key in the mailbox. The mail woman confirmed it and asked the block captain, what happened to the key that was in this box? And they said, there was no key. She said, you're lying because we told I told you there was a key in here for her. 
And then it was, I don't know what you're talking about. And she went in the house, you know, so that key in that lock came up missing. And that's how I realized they were getting in. Um, but there were a lot of threats going on. I made a lot of police reports. I actually went down and sat with Otis Blair and told him about different things that I had experienced. Um, I actually was dating another officer who had a play-by-play of everything that went down. I told him everything. Every time I got threatened, every time somebody said they were going to do something to me, I would text him and tell him the things that were happening. When the family moved next door, um, I lived in 339, they lived in 337. Um, When they moved in next door, I thought everything was going to be cool because they started off cool, even though I had heard that conversation of, you know, she's going to hate you for those speakers and everything. I didn't think nothing of it. You know, I, I brushed it off and let them use my yard for the prom. It was beautiful until their people showed up and ruined their little setup outside. Apparently, the dad had been stalking their mother and things like that. And he showed up on prom day and showed his natural black ass. So I had shut everything down. I didn't even care what was going on outside. Um, but the whole block was talking about it. So the night before... On January 7th, there were a lot of threats being made. You know, people walking by my house, people standing out by my back door saying things, and they knew I could hear them because there were plenty of times that people called my name from outside and I would hear them and come outside. Um, And they knew I could hear them even through the walls because the black captain fell down the stairs one day and I ran out my house to make sure she was okay. So if I couldn't hear you through the walls... I wouldn't have knew that you fell down the stairs. So, um, and the reason I emphasize that statement just now is because when I told the doctor, yeah, I can hear through walls, they thought I was crazy. But there was a bunch of officers on the block a week prior to January 7th. They They just lined up in front of my house. And the same woman that had taunted me for singing start her sister started screaming come outside bitch come outside I had a guest in my home he said don't pay that shit no mind turn the lights off let's watch a movie so I turned my lights off and I didn't pay it no mind but there were at least 12 officers on the block just posted up in front of my house with blue lights flashing and after that things just started getting weird so I heard the threats And I instantaneously went into my spirituality. Um, I started praying, playing the drums to usher in the Orishas and things like that. If anybody knows anything about voodoo or voodoo or anything, um, it is the same as catching the Holy Spirit. But in voodoo, they call it the writing of the gods. During that and being that I was harassed, I went before the Orishas. And I asked them to step in. Next thing you know, I had no control over my body. I was consciously aware, consciously aware that I was moving, you know, bowing up and down. I I went outside. I remember bowing north, south, east, and west. When I got outside, there was already police officers there. And I didn't know why they were there. But I continued my ritual as if they weren't there. All of a sudden, an officer goes, go further when I got to South to pray. 
And it's not something that I hadn't done before. They'd seen me pour cinnamon water uh, around the perimeter of my house. They'd seen me pour salt lines, things like that. So this is not unusual behavior that they hadn't seen. Um, so he kept saying, go further, go further, go further. Even though I heard them and I was conscious, my body would not let me stop bowing. And I remember muttering things like, I bow to the most high God. And then I was saying the names of two officers um, that knew of what was going on. Um, and I remember when it was done and the heaviness of the riding of the gods wore off, I walked up the stairs, pulled up my skirt, told him to kiss my black ass and shut my door. Five minutes later, I get a knock, literally five minutes later, I get a knock on the door. Now, I've already changed my clothes. At that time, I was wearing a white oversized t-shirt and a long black skirt. I had went in and the gods told me to change my clothes. I didn't know why God told me to change my clothes, but I went upstairs and found my summer black dress. Now, it's wintertime, you guys, but I walk around in the house in, in dresses, but Most High told me, get the black dress. So I go upstairs and I put the dress on. Then he says, send the kids and your sister upstairs. You know, and anybody that knows me knows I talk to God like I talk to you. And he speaks back. Um, So I sent my sister, her son, and my youngest upstairs. Robert, my other son that was sick, um, he was already upstairs laying down sleep. Once I sent them upstairs, literally when they got to the top of the stairs, the exact moment God told me to send them upstairs and, and go, there was a knock on the door. An officer comes to the door and he goes, do you need help? And I said, no, I didn't call you. And I went to, I said, but bye officer. He stuck his foot in my door and then walked in my house. Funny thing about that is my stepmother called me the night before and said, if they try to snatch you out of your house, get naked. Didn't know which, why she told me that. It was a very bizarre thing to say, but you know, I rock with it because she always had my back. Lo and behold, when he walks into my house, after I told him I didn't call you, there's no problem here. You know, my kids were upstairs playing. My sister was upstairs in my room with her son watching TV. There was no reason for them to come. I was just loudly praying at that time to shut up the chatter between the walls. And he came in, do you need help? No, went to shut the door, foot in the door, and he walks into my house, okay? Now, there is like 12 officers on the block, but they only sent one to the door. When he walked in and would not leave, I took the dress off and got butt-ass naked in front of him and said, if you're going to take me, take me. And he said, I'm not doing this shit. He turned around and he shut my door and walked out. Okay. The very next day, which was January the 8th, uh, woke up. My son wouldn't wake up and I felt his temperature. I ran and got my, uh, Thermometer took the temperature. I actually posted it on my old Instagram, goddess underscore Lakeba. And it was 101.1. So I had to help him get dressed, put his shoes on, things like that. Now, I'm starting to hear different people talking. 
as if they're in my house, like a broadcast. I kept hearing a Bluetooth stereo cut on and off anytime I would hear people talking. Um, I didn't pay it any mind until I got to the ER. Because my, my nephew, who's autistic, and everybody that knows my Robert, he's autistic too, my superheroes, um, they shared a room that night. I didn't know if the baby was sick. So I made my sister, you know, come with me with her son just to get him checked out because it was just weird that my son was fine. And then all of a sudden he got a 101 fever and he had respiratory issues. And this is right before they shut PA down for COVID. They didn't have any testing for COVID. And I truly believe my son was the first case in Chester. Um, so we get to the ER. You know, sign in, sign in. I signed myself in with my son just to, you know, get my temperature checked and make sure I was okay. Therein is where I made the mistake. I should have never signed myself in to get checked out because the nurse comes and she goes, are you guys all related? And I said, yeah, but it's just the children we want checked because I changed my mind. I said, I don't need to be checked, just check the children. She said, okay, come with me. She took all of us, me, my sister, my nephew, and my son into one obs- one observation room back in the ER. I said, are you sure we're allowed to be in here? She said, no, it's fine. Another nurse, I don't know where this nurse came from, but she was like, all of you guys can't be in here. And I said, but why did she put us all in here? You know, you're just checking the children. Now my nephew, to the untrained eye, he looks like, a five-year-old at the time, but he was seven, and he was nonverbal. He could say certain things, but he couldn't have a whole declarative conversation with you. Uh, we were working on his verbalization skills. Um, on the way to the hospital, my son says, Mommy, some black truck was behind our house, and the guy was going through our trash. Didn't pay it much attention. I said, oh, when it's trash, it's legal for them to, to go through it. Once it's out there by the curb, they can go through it. So I didn't really think too much of it. Remember I said that black truck. So we get to the hospital on January the 8th, 2020. We get put in this room. I start making a big deal out of it because it's like, why are you about to punish us for being in here when a nurse put us all in here? She recognized that the baby couldn't talk. So his mom was there and my sister, anybody that knows me, knows that my sister is also handicapped. And she scares really easy. So I asked them, well, where's your policy on how many people can be in the room? Because she stated that it was hospital policy to to the room. And I said, can you show me that? I don't know why she thought that was aggressive, but she went and all of a sudden I got surrounded. She left out. And I said, could you give me a copy of the policy? It wasn't that I wasn't going to switch rooms and everything like that. It was the fact that I asked to see the policy because it was nothing stated on walls. I read everything when I walk through a building. I read everything on the walls. I look at pictures, things like that. And then all of a sudden, armed guards walked into the room. Now, at this time, they took my sister and her son to the room next door. Um, And that was the last time I saw her or my nephew at the time. 
my son looks at one of the security officers and puts his head down and starts profusely rocking back and forth. Me as a mom of a superhero, a child with autism, knows that that's a telltale sign that he recognized you and he was scared. I immediately start, you know, telling them, you got to get, get out the room, check his temperature. That's all you got to do. They did not send a doctor in to check my son's temperature. Now I'm getting agitated. They sent a psychologist who I told was a psychologist. He didn't reveal who he was. I said, you're a psychologist, aren't you? Because I have the gift of prophecy. I can see you. He said, yes, I am. I said, why are you here? He said, I just wanted to make sure, you know, you're okay and everything. I said, I don't want to talk to you. I want a doctor in here to check his temperature. It was at 101.1. Now, we've been in the hospital for uh, about 20, 30 minutes now. Still nobody checked his temperature. My baby is sitting there burning. Now I'm getting hysterical because you want to have a conversation with me. And I want his temperature checked. He said, you sure you're getting a little agitated? I said, I'm not agitated. I'm upset because you want to have a conversation when my son is sitting here burning. Okay. He gets up. He leaves. Next thing you know, these officers come in. They go to snatch my bag. I had a yellow um, briefcase that looks like a purse. Instead of them saying, come with us, he literally reached out and went to snatch my bag. I snatched it back. I said, what are you doing? (laughs) And he was like, oh, you got to come with us. Now the nurse came in and was like, I'm going to take Robert next door and check his temperature. She didn't take him next door. She walked him around the other side. I watched. I said, where are you going with my son? Now all of these armed guards. And by the way, Crozier Hospital does not have armed guards. Um, But these guards were wearing black The guards at Crozier wear blue and black, and they don't have guns. But all of these officers had guns. And he blocked me from following my child. And he said, you're not going with them. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you need to come with us. I said, well, lead the way. He said, no, no, no. You need, and this lady walked up with a gurney. He said, no, you need to lay down. I said, why? I'm not sick. I can walk. He said, just lay on the gurney. No, I said, fine. If that's what make y'all comfortable, I will lay on the gurney. No sooner did I lay down, they jumped on me, strapped me down, and stuck me with two needles. The nurse said, I didn't want this. And the guy said, shut up. I was wheeled into observation room two. Now, unbeknownst to them, I had already taken my anxiety medicine. I was on Seroquel at the time. Seroquel and Trazodone for sleeping. (laughs) And I had took my medicine right before I got there. They didn't do any blood work. They put the little heart monitor on my finger, but they didn't do any blood work. When those drugs hit my system, my brain exploded and all kinds of fucking things happening to me. I literally started feeling sick. I started screaming, get me out of here. Something is wrong. They came in after strapping me to the gurney. All male orderlies. Let me say that again. All male orderlies. 
they start cutting my pants off of me. And I said, I could get undressed. All you had to do was say, remove your clothes. Why are you cutting my clothes off? Now I'm hysterical because I am a victim and a survivor of rape and molestation. And there are nothing but motherfucking men in the room with me. As he starts to get closer to my thigh, I said, sir, I'm not wearing underwear. I w- Please don't do this. Honey, they cut my clothes off me. So I was naked, cut my bra straps and everything, treated me as if I couldn't get up and take my own clothes off. A nurse saw them and ran into the room and covered me with a blanket. I was hysterical then because I'm in a room surrounded by armed guards and male orderlies and I am completely naked. Okay, if you're a woman and ever been in a situation in a room full of men you don't know, butt ass naked, it will trigger anybody. My diagnosis has been PTSD for years. People have tried to say I'm bipolar. People have tried to say I'm depressed. None of my diagnosis. I have severe PTSD. I was set the fuck off because I felt like I was raped by the medical system. There's nothing but men in here. And it took a female nurse seeing me scream and she ran in and covered me with a blanket. It was the worst day of my life. After that, I stayed in there. They came. They took me. They took the straps off because Holy Ghost said, just get completely quiet. I remember hearing somebody as if they were next to my bed. And I, I said to the one of the orderlies that came in, I said, who's behind this door? And they said, nobody's there. That's a closet. But I heard male voices talking. So I'm like, what the fuck? I'm literally reacting to the stimuli of all these medicines now. Um, Fast forward, they take me to another part of the hospital. I'm there overnight. I refuse to sleep. Um, So the woman comes out of the back and she goes, do you know why you're here? I said, no, they took me from the ER for asking to see policy. I don't know why I'm here. I'm not a danger to myself. I'm not a danger to anybody else. And I need to get home to my kids. She said, you're not going home. You're going to a hospital. I said, no, the fuck I'm not. She said, "Um, well, it's already been arranged. And we need you to find this paperwork. Sign this paperwork and everything. Mind you, drugged now. Drugged, being handed paperwork. I was delirious at this point. And I hadn't slept in 24 hours. Uh, next thing you know, I'm being carted away to friend's hospital. It wasn't until a week into my stay at friend's that I even saw a doctor. When I got there, I was bleeding from being on my period. They literally didn't care. The fact that I arrived with no clothes and just a hospital gown, they made me wait almost two weeks to get clothes. I had to call somebody to bring me clothes up to Friends Hospital. When I was in the hospital, the doctor acted like he didn't see me for like the first week and a half that I was there. So when I went in there, I told him, I said, I don't think this is over no ER upsetness. This is over what I posted online. That's what I said to him. And I said, get my phone, I'll show it to you. He said, we're not allowed to do that. And he said, 
well, what's going on here? I said, I'm, I'm being harassed and they're using you to do it. That's all I said. That was the first and only time I saw that man. Next thing you know, paperwork comes up. Now, I didn't already made the calls that I'm going to make. And I was given information to talk to them properly. Uh, called somebody in the medical field, actually. And they told me the proper procedures to do, to do a 72-hour uh, withdrawal. Literally, when I requested the paperwork, a person came out and says, oh, you've been 302'd. I said, what? And even with a 302, it's a 72-hour hold. When I asked for the release papers to sign out after 72 hours, they 303'd me. And I hadn't had any issues in there. Um, I had a patient jump at me, and then they put it in the paperwork as if I attacked that patient. This is when all the weird stuff started happening. They were letting patients walk in and out of my room. They were... Um, letting patients get too close to me. Um, a girl walked up and hugged me. And I touched the small of her back and I said, no touching. <laughs> but other than that, I didn't put my hands on anybody. Then we go to group. Now this is a week and a half in. And who walks into the building, into this room to hold the group, but the doctor that 302'd me from Crozier. And I looked at him and I said, you... You're the reason I'm in here. And I did nothing. And I went for him. I did. I did. I went and they all said, don't do it, Yvonne. Don't do it. Just calm down. He laughed in my faces, which why it triggered me to lunge at him. I didn't get to him. Too many people were talking to me and saying, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Paperwork will work itself out. Then a woman walks up to me and said, I read your file. And I, I see that, you know, you don't have a reason to be here any longer. She flipped through this folder, she said, was my file. When she did it, I said, open that. And she opened it. And I said, you said you read my file. Why is the folder empty? It literally was a folder full of black, blank paperwork. And I said, bitch, get the fuck away from me trying to play head games with me. And she got up and she walked away. After that, I raised hell. Because one of the patients kept coming in my room. And it was like, they didn't care. So I punched a hole in the wall and they moved my room. After that, I got very amicable and very friendly. And I didn't sleep and I was in there for two weeks. I didn't sleep until the night before I discharged. And this was every time I asked a question about my discharge or my paperwork or when I was gonna see a doctor, they stuck me. If my voice raised just a little bit, they stuck me. I was so drugged when I got out of there that I couldn't even really stand up. I had my driver that had, that had drove me to uh, Yonkers, New York for the show I did on Rough Riders Radio. He actually had to come and hold me up to put me in the car. I was so drugged. But right before I discharged, I asked the nurse who came in. I saw the crystals in her hair and her locks, and she referred to me as goddess from the moment she met me. I didn't tell her that was my name. I didn't say anything to these people, but she kept calling me goddess. And I recognized that she was an indigo child too. And I said, her name was Hanifa. And I said, Miss Hanifa, I need to know what you put in my body. She went, she looked up my chart. She wrote down everything. 
but my discharge papers did not reflect what she wrote on the paper. Next thing you know, she didn't come back in. And when I discharged, she didn't come in either. So I get home. I am weaning now off of all these drugs. Next thing you know, I hear tapping on my floor from the basement, like somebody tapping on the ceiling. And I walked across the floor. It happened again. So I stopped twice and they tapped back. Child opened my basement door so fast and ran down the stairs only to find my basement door wide open. So that was the first indication. After that, little things started to happen. Because when I got home, my family was gone. I didn't know that they had threatened my sister to take her son if she didn't leave my house. Now, lawfully, this is illegal. They can't evict you out of your house. Okay? They said CYS was called, but when I got to where I am today, the woman came in my house and said there was never any paperwork. I lied to you not. I have everything. I even posted some of it online that there was never a report on my kids. So why did that CYS worker tell my sister that she would lose her son if she didn't leave my house, which was illegal? You have to go through an eviction process and I could leave my children with her. Now, my sister knew that if I got put in the hospital, that I'd be out in two weeks. She knew this. She knew this already. She had everything under control. I set things in motion because I had a feeling when I went to sleep, I had a vision of being locked away. So when I got up, I put all my ducks in a row, gave her important information, gave her access to my phone, things like that. Now I'm discharged and I'm reading paperwork. What was written in my paperwork does not match the conversations that I had with a doctor. Those were conversations he had with my sister. And he wasn't the one that had the conversation. It was Crozier Hospital. They put it in my paperwork and friends as if that conversation came from me. They put everything that I posted online. Plus, they added something along the lines that said, and I posted the paperwork online. They said that I had said that there was music playing backwards (laughs) and that I could hear it. I never said that to anybody. That statement came from my sister, which I found out recently. Okay? She was explaining in Crozier what happened. What they didn't know is that my stepmom was on the phone with her the entire time and heard every word from the time she left the hospital to the time she got to my house. My sister was terrified terrified so she left she dropped my son off to my aunt which was Robert the one I took to the hospital and my youngest got picked up by his father now when I got home I didn't know any of this but three neighbors randomly told me oh twin that was her name across the street Oh, twin sister gave your sister a ride. She paid her $283 and she gave her a ride and she dropped her and your child off. Unbeknownst to me, my sister got a ride from the CYS worker. So unless twin sister is the CYS worker, how the hell did you know that? Right? So fast forward, 
I'm in the house alone now. It's quarantine. Every time I left the house, something would be moved. Came back, cabinet open. I'm like, all right, whatever. Then I go into my kitchen and there was a bullet hole in the window. That wasn't there. And I had actually did a video the day prior when I was sitting in the kitchen and that hole, bullet hole, was not there. It was shot from inside of the house, not outside coming in. So I said, okay, something ain't right. I started walking from Chester, PA, all the way to North Philly every day. I would just leave got in contact with a friend um, who I had dated previously, but I knew he was a federal cop and I knew he was a Mason and I would be protected. It got so bad with people coming into my house that I just stopped going home. I would go, go home, feed my cat and leave. And I'd rather be on the street because I could not fathom what the hell was going on, why things were moving around in my house. I deal with spirits all the time, paranormal activity. This was not that. And one day, I just got tired of the taunting, people taunting me. Then they called the police and said I had loud music. As soon as the police left, and after I kicked them off my stairs, they all turned on their radio, came outside, and started partying. As if the shit never happened. Um, But I did not feel easy in the home. So one night... I had the urge to go see my dad. So I walked from Chester, um, from the house, got on the bus, came down to 69th Street, got off the bus, and walked. I got down to 49th and Market, because I took Market straight down. And I heard somebody walk up behind me, but I've never been one to run. If you touch me, I'm fighting. I heard a noise, just like that. It was like... And then I felt my purse leave my shoulder. I didn't even turn around. I didn't break stride. I kept going. I said, I'll just replace everything they took. Unbeknownst to me, my house keys were in my purse. I thought I put them in my book bag. But my house keys were in my purse. So now I'm outside. I'm walking. No identification. No keys to get back in the house. I go, I sit in front of my grandmother's door until the sun came up, and then I left. When I got back to Chester, I shit you not, my ID, which was inside of that purse, was laying in the middle of my bed. My bed was made, and I had made it before I left. I I did things like that. When I felt somebody was coming into my home, I would do things, set up different things in my house so I would know if anybody had been in there. And literally there were prints on my bed as if somebody had sat down and they literally placed my identification in the middle of the bed. After that, I said, you know what? I'm gonna wind up hurting one of these people if I catch them. So I'm still weaning off the medication. This is still January going into February now. (laughs) Now I'm in the house and I hear a noise but I'm sleeping, but I hear, I hear a noise. Didn't pay any of my meditative sleep. I go back into meditation. I hear my basement door to my dining room open. When I lifted my head, 
there was a young black male, six foot two, between six foot two and six foot three, or six foot to six foot three, standing in my door. I was so drugged, I couldn't move fast enough. What he didn't know is I was sitting on a Ginsu butcher knife. If I had not have had those drugs in my system, I would have killed that young man for breaking into my house. When he realized that I was waking up, he ran. I could not get up fast enough because I was still weaning off the drugs. When I checked my house, my back door was wide open. So I put a chair between the back door handle and the boiler so that nobody could come in. This is before I even found out that the garage key was missing and the lock was missing. So I searched my house trying to see if there were any other signs of anybody else being in the house. I get, I come start to come down my stairs. Now, like, as I told you, I can hear very well in the house, no matter what part of the room I, I was in, I could hear outside. And I hear my neighbor's stepdaughter having a conversation with somebody sitting on my stairs. This is how bold this boy was. He was sitting on my stairs after walking out of my house. She came outside, 337, and she said, you bold sitting there. And he said, I know. They started laughing. I flicked on the light because I know which neighbors had cameras. I flicked on the light so that people would get his face on camera. He ran into 337's house. After that, I said, you know what? I'm just not going to be here. I literally walked around between Chester, Philadelphia, and New Jersey for about three and a half months. Just refusing to go back into the house because I said, God, it's almost like I'm being set up to kill somebody. And I don't want to do bodily harm to anybody. But I'm not going to I'm not going to go down without a fight. After that, I started noticing like eight white cars would follow me around the block. I was like, okay, that's weird. Eight cars in a row, all white. I'm like, all right. Then one day, it changed to blue. Eight blue cars, all in a row. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, this can't be a coincidence. Now, I don't know anything about gang stalking, targeted individuals, nothing. It wasn't until this year, a person reached out to me on the internet and said, I think you're a targeted individual. And I said, well, what is that? And they sent me a bunch of information on targeted individuals. Now, let's back up. Paperwork says schizophrenia. That's what they said, told me I had. And I said, I ain't schizophrenic. But okay. And then they said, oh no, you went through a psychotic episode. You have psychosis. I ain't got psychosis. I got people harassing me. Okay. So they were like, well, can you hear them? I said, I hear them like a broadcast through my house on a Bluetooth system. Child, them people put schizophrenia. Here it is, 2022, going into 2023 now. And I I went back to the same organization that I was going to. Mind you, when they took me in the hospital, I had a therapist, was going to Omni Healthcare Center for mental health. I had been going there since 2018. Okay? So I already had a therapist. So an ER doctor telling me, you know, let me examine you. I don't need you. I already have a therapist. But they didn't know that. They literally put in my paperwork that they checked my vitals for an for about three three to six hours straight. That was not true. 
then it was saying that I was um, shouting racist statements. That's not true. I said, you doing this because I'm black? Because it was nothing but white doctors, you know? So it was like anything that I said, it was used against me in the hospital. So here it is, fast forward, it's 2022. And we're about to go into 2023. This shit started happening here. Now, I'm in Upper Darby, PA. Somebody said, well, why did you come back to Delaware County? Because you ain't going to get away with bullying me. I don't know what this is. At the time, I didn't know. Don't know what this is. Stalking, whatever it is, you're not going to bully me. Okay? So I came back to Delaware County because this is where it all started. No sooner did I move into my apartment, about a month living here, me and my spouse, we go out to eat, come back home. I had just mopped the floors before we left. Came back home. He said, babe, look at the floor. Nothing but boot prints. Then I said, babe, you smell that? When you got to the living room area, it smelled like a wet dog. And he said, babe, look, it's dog prints in here. Now, in these apartments, you're not allowed to have a dog. You can have a cat, but you can't have a dog. (laughs) So there would be no reason for a dog to be in my house. But it was there. And it was the first time I had somebody witness what I was talking about. Somebody coming in and moving things, different things like that. So at first, my spouse was like, "Mm, not so sure you're sane. He put me in a hospital twice. He thought that the way I prayed was a little too radical and he was scared because I was calling the names that he had never heard of. You know, anybody that knows me know when I call on God, I call all his names, names you know and names you don't. It scared him because things start moving around in the house when I pray. Okay, so he put me in a hospital. When he sent me to the hospital, they put me in MCES which is located in Norristown. That is the most demonic building I have ever walked through in my life. It was almost like they deliberately sent me there. When I tell you there were people that were there with paperwork that said demonic possession, and y'all put me in the same place where these people was. I didn't sleep. It's not that I had insomnia, it's just that I don't, Hospitals are triggers, and I'm not falling asleep around a bunch of people that are not mentally stable. You dig me? In there, up until I was going to discharge, or I would sleep in spurts. I would sleep for five to ten minutes at a time. Then I would have a vision and wake up. (laughs) It got to the point where they wouldn't even let my spouse come visit, talk to me, or anything. He got frustrated with trying to reach me. He showed up outside the building and I happened to just, God said, go walk by the window. I said, okay, God, they watched this. I walked by the window and my husband was standing right there. And he did the circle, that, 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 from Mars Attacks. That's one of our favorite movies to watch on movie night. And he did the whole thing outside of their window. Legally, he could have been arrested. You were on state hospital property. They did not. They did not. Um... When, he, when I discharged, he came and got me, okay? Fast forward, he put me in a hospital again. 
because he was like, I don't, this sounds crazy. You telling me random people talking to you on the street, saying things to you. This sounds crazy. And he says, take, come take a ride with me. And me knowing it's a setup. I'm like, all right, we wind up at Bryn Mawr Hospital. Bryn Mawr Hospital 302'd me immediately because I told the doctor who commented about my Black Lives Matter hoodie that my hoodie is black and my skin is not. He thought that was racist and wrote it into my paperwork that I'm a racist. (laughs) Honey, I done been through some shit. So here it is. It is now the end of November. And all of a sudden... Somebody walks up into our apartment building, says my name, and walks out. My husband gets home. He investigates. They have broken the back door lock. We just got it fixed yesterday. Then my husband tells me that's not it. All of a sudden, there's a gap in between our apartment door. It has been getting bigger and bigger and bigger over the last two years of us being here. So he goes outside. He said, I want to show you something. He said, lock the door. When I tell you he unlocked the door, a bolt lock and the key lock at the bottom with a credit card because they had somebody had opened the space wide enough that you could just push that shit aside. He said, I believe you. And I said, oh, now you believe me after you didn't put me in a hospital. He said, yeah, I believe you. After that, our car got egged. Only one on the block. Car got egged. Then this black truck followed us for six blocks. Um, then recently my spouse was in a car accident. The person literally drove into the wrong lane and hit my car head on. Here's the coincidence in that I was supposed to be in the car and I had a vision and I looked at my spouse and I said, I'm not going with you. I had a vision of a car accident. He got in a car accident that day. So I trust the Holy Spirit in me. You understand? So when you see me posting about gang stalking, it's because this is new to me. Never heard of it. Didn't know that there was community stalking, targeted individuals. This has opened up a whole different thing for me. Because I I told my therapist recently, I'm not hearing voices in my head. I'm hearing people, and some of which I recognize their voices. Cops I've talked to neighbors I've talked to, I can hear them as if they're sitting in my house, like somebody is broadcasting. And when I told her, I said, is there such thing called gang stalking? She agreed that what I was going through was not schizophrenia. Wound up getting a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist gets my paperwork and says, wait a minute, you're allergic to Seroquel. I said, yeah, but they've been giving it to me for the last four years, all in Chester. From Chester to Friends Hospital, Crozier Hospital pumped me up for a Seroquel. Friends Hospital, MCES found out that I was allergic and they stopped giving it to me. They gave me Zyprexa and Vistaril. That's what I'm on. It's for anxiety. My psychiatrist now, same organization that I had therapy when all this went down, Omni, but now it's Omni up at Darby. And guess what? She said, you're not schizophrenic. You have severe PTSD, and I believe you when you say they triggered you that day. So, I'm telling you all this to tell you, this shit is really real. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. But then, if you go on my TikTok, Goddess Legba, 
on TikTok, you'll see the video of somebody breaking into the apartment. You hear them break in, come up through the, the basement, say my name and walk out the front door. Got it on tape and posted it. So nobody can tell me I'm mentally ill when I got random people walking up to me saying things. Oh, you're not being stalked. Just random. Don't even know these people. All kinds of things happening. Gang stalking is real. And this will not be the last show that I use the platform to talk about it.